Our scripture today is 1 John 2, 7 through 11. It's in your bulletin. Hear the word of the Lord as we prepare to take the sacrament. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new commandment that is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says, I am in the light, while hating a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light, and in such a person there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates another believer is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go, because the darkness has brought on blindness. The word of the Lord. In our scripture today, John is expanding on what it means to be obedient to the Lord, circling back to a consistent theme in scripture that God means for us always to know. So let's start with three short illustrations to help us think about what it is that John is trying to communicate to the church. One is a familiar story about Karl Barth, one of the most prolific and systematic theologians of the 20th century. He wrote 10,000 pages on church dogmatics alone. The story is told of how he was on a tour of the United States where he was speaking at several top universities. And during a question and answer time, a student said something like this, Dr. Bart, you have written extensively on every aspect of church theology and history. And I'm wondering if you could all sum it all up in a sentence or two. <laughs> the room went quiet. And the brilliant scholar stood there for a few minutes, lost in thought. And finally, Dr. Bart said, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Second, in 1938, a group of researchers from Harvard University set out to answer a question of what habits led to a fulfilling life. In the longest-running longitudinal study ever conducted, they followed 268 men for the next 75 years on a range of psychological, physical, economic, and spiritual characteristics. In their research, they learned many uh, factors that are helpful for a good life, such as education, healthy choices, a stable marriage. But they found that there was only one true thing that mattered that people kept talking about, and that was the capacity to love and be loved. The last acting director, George Vallant, wrote a book called The Triumph of Experience, and he said this, the only thing that really matters in life is your relationships with other people. Thirdly, listen to a quote from author James K.A. Smith, a philosophy professor who has written books I have gleaned much from on the topic of spiritual formation. He says this, identities, what makes us who we are, the kind of people we are, is what we love. More specifically, our identity is shaped by what we ultimately love or what we love as ultimate. What, at the end of the day, gives us a sense of meaning, purpose, understanding, and orientation to our being in the world. What we desire or love ultimately is a vision of what we hope for, what we think the good life looks like. Our ultimate love is shaped by practices, not ideas that are merely communicated to us. 
One of the first things that we notice right away in our passage is how John refers to the congregation. He calls them beloved. This shows them the affection that he has for, those, for them, for those under his care, but it also serves to remind them how very loved they are by God. This is very apt, since I believe John is talking about love. We see from last week, continuing on to today, that obeying God's commandments mean that we love as he does, and it means that we love what God loves. But John doesn't say that outright, does he? In fact, love isn't even mentioned here. So let's look at the two ways he's talking about love as a mark of obedience without even saying the word. The first way John talks about love is hearkening back to the old commandment. He says he's not teaching them anything that is new. Rather, he is telling them what they already know to be true. Let's think for a second about the law of Moses. While there were rules for the people of God to follow, the law was meant to be an expression of love for the people from the Lord. The Ten Commandments were given first, and then they were fanned out to everyday practicalities for life. And when Jesus came, he decreed that the entire law could be summed up into love for God and love for neighbor, which is exactly what we see in the Ten Commandments. All of them are how it is that we treat the Lord and how we treat one another. There's nothing new about this. John is expressing how everyone should know this. And by calling it old, John is letting, leading, lending credence to his words as the audience would have valued the tradition of those who came before him. When Jesus came, he gave not only a new understanding of the law, but he showed a new way to live out what God really wanted. And how Jesus modeled love and taught about love was so brand new and so revolutionary and so different, so different than anyone could have imagined. The Lord taught a lot about love, but there's one sentence in John 13 that resonates well with our passage today. It comes right after the Last Supper, when Jesus had washed the feet of the disciples, and it's this. I give you a new commandment, he says, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So can we talk about this for a second? It's not easy to love one another as we love ourselves, which is something that we often quote from Jesus. And if we stop and think about that, that is actually a challenging teaching. Often I wonder, am I loving my friend or my spouse or my brother or my parent or the difficult, annoying, selfish person in my life as much as I am loving myself? And sometimes the answer is no. I'm not. I'm loving myself more than those people. But in John 13, Jesus tells us something even more challenging. Love others as I have loved you. And then we think, man, Jesus just upped the game. Because now we have to not just think about how it is that we want to be treated in relationship to other people, but we have to think about how it is that Jesus has loved us and we have to do the same. So what does that mean? 
How has Jesus loved us? How does he continue to love us? By always telling us the truth. By being merciful when we don't deserve it. By always welcoming us. By always being fully present to us. By comforting us and giving us wisdom and hope. By leaving his home and coming to where we live at great cost. By treating us as worthy by giving up his life. So we read our passage that John wrote many years after his experience in the upper room, and we wonder if he has this teaching from the Lord in mind. Jesus reframed what the old commandment meant by washing the feet of those at the dinner. What does it mean to love? It means to serve those with whom you share life, even your enemies who are trying to harm you as Judas was then. No matter what, we are to love as Jesus loved. Being obedient, John says, is tied in to how we live, how we live out that commandment, how it is that we treat one another. Secondly, John talks about love by giving a metaphor of opposites. Light and darkness. Doing this to help us understand what is being said. But he focuses not on love, but on hate. And how hate is an indication of those who remain in the darkness. No matter what we say about the light, no matter how much we say that we love God, if we hate one another, we are not living in obedience. And John is reminding the church that hate is never an option. That we may disagree. We may part ways while keeping unity of spirit. But it is never permissible to harbor ongoing hateful attitudes that we keep alive in us, in our anger toward others. That is not an option. The commandments are given to us as a means of knowing that we are the beloved of God. And if the commandments themselves are meant for us to stay in God's love, then violating any part of that law, what we would call sin, is a failure to love as God has asked us to. It is impossible to be right with God while keeping vengeful, ugly thoughts toward others. This is not only because it is wrong and it hurts other people, it's also because hate corrodes our own souls. Hate doesn't allow God's presence in where we most need it. And just like love, hate will grow. Morphine until it gets bigger and spills out to those around us. So we always must pay attention and acknowledging and acknowledge the feelings that we can't help but have. Feelings come on us like the wind comes upon us, but we have to do something with them and examine them and see what they mean and where they come from, asking Jesus to help us when they're not honoring to him. John is unrelenting. No one has the license to keep hate alive when they know God. John doesn't hate the people who left the church who are who he's arguing against. Jesus didn't hate the religious leaders or the people who put him on the cross. And we can't live with hate. 
even towards those who truly harm us or against those we are very different from. Hear again the words of Jesus, just as I have loved you, you should love one another. John indicates that whoever continues in hate walks in darkness, and those who stay in the dark too long will eventually lose their eyesight, as he indicates, as they forget what the light looks like. Jesus comes to us to lead us out of the dungeon we have created, so we have eyes to see the beauty of the love and the light that only he can bring. In order to have oneness with God, John is telling us we must love The true test of obedience is whether we are truly willing to love as Christ does. If we're truly willing to do what it takes to receive the love that Jesus offers. Jesus tells us it's easy for us to love those that we like, to love those who love us. But Jesus loves us when we are the best version of ourselves and when we are absolutely the worst people on the planet. Jesus never hates us, even when we might deserve it. To hate a brother or sister, John says, means that we can't see what we're doing. We're blinded by our hate, and we can't even see the darkness that has engulfed us. I read this week that love becomes a genuine value only when it is tested. Love becomes a genuine value only when it is tested, only when we must reach beyond ourselves and love someone we don't want to love. Or when we actively love when we would much rather not. But this is exactly what Christ does for us. Christ didn't want to suffer and die. Jesus prayed that if it were possible, he would be spared spared for that unbelievable agony. But it was love that gave the impetus for the sacrifice that he gave on our behalf. So this morning, as we enjoyed the reassurance that comes from being forgiven, as we rejoice in the closeness we have with God as a result of Jesus' death, let us truly examine what our love looks like in the tests we are facing. The new command seeped in the old command is that we love as Jesus loves us. And so in this time of liturgy and silence, may we recognize the darkness of sin and choose to embrace the light of God. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.